0: (laughs) This is is not a Cohen. This is not some Zen-like Buddhist statement or question to ponder while stroking my chin.
1: You're listening to The Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice.
0: Welcome to The Occupational Philosophers. Hey, Simon, how are you? Good, John. Your good self? Very good. Well, before we go any further, shall I uh, ask, what's caught your curious eye this week?
1: Well, thanks for asking. And here's what I've been contemplating this morning, actually, is this notion of flow, which most of us have heard about, but being in your best space at the best time and when everything sort of sinks together. And the reason I was thinking about it is because some days you think you've done all the right things that you'll be in the flow, but it just doesn't roll. And then other days you've probably done the wrong things, but then you find your flow. So I'm just interested. Yeah, like I, 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 yeah. Want, I want to know more about it. I've re, I read about it a lot when I was at university yeah. and with Mikhail enough or whatever his name is, but I'd, I'd love to get a flow expert on our show, I think, because it has so many benefits for us, but just, and maybe it's not as simple as you think, like, you know, A plus B doesn't always necessarily equal C. Does that make sense?
0: Well flow I often think of as the other one is being termed in the zone isn't it is that this yeah see that as the same Mm. thing isn't it where you're lost in something and everything Mm. is is sort of on the peripheral is excluded and so you just absolutely focus Uh, yeah it could be a hobby but obviously it could be work is it in your work as well Well,
1: yeah I I absolutely think so I think if you can find your workflow fantastic you get more done in less time and you get home earlier i guess so look if we can all find our flow but i'm just interested to, yeah one of those key ingredients and how do you make sure they all sync up and what changes on different days because today i went for a surf early and i thought great day flow ahead but it just hasn't <laughs> not that i haven't been uh haven't got stuff done but i just haven't hit my mark so i'm interested yeah. in flow john yeah what about you what's caught your curious eye or ear this week
0: Cohen's has caught my eye this week. Cohen's, uh, which is a
1: the Cohen brothers, well, the filmmakers.
0: A, there is meant to be a sort of uh, a kind of sort of connection between them, which is Cohen, as in K O A N, is a Zen Buddhist thing. It's a question or statement that allows someone to ponder, and it might not have a definitive answer. In fact, for the most part, it doesn't have a definitive answer. So you would have classic koans such as if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it did it make a sound so you start thinking about okay what what make constitute sound is it moving molecules in the air or is it the fact that the brain or the ear canal actually translates those vibrations into sound that we then interpret in some way so off you go and so you would sort of be sat there it could be gone for days, weeks or whatever, pondering that. But yeah, the Cohen brothers, C-O-H-E-N, were sort of seen as filmmakers who created films that often had some statement or question that you would ponder and it would go to the very heart of existence and humanness. So yeah, they were seen as being quite Zen Buddhist-like in their filmmaking and their genres and their characters and story plots. Um, So yeah, I was fascinated by that. And there's a whole host of them that are then very much tied into thought experiments, which is what we have some fun with in most of our episodes, So, um, but in a slightly different way. But you get then classic ones such as the one I've just said about the tree, you've got uh, the brain in the jar thought experiment or Cohen, you know, are we a brain in a jar being stimulated to experience reality? You know, what is reality? What are we? Popularized by the Matrix, which you may have heard of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I haven't watched for a long time, but I know the amount of passionate people about it. It's yeah. uh, Remember that used to be quoted all the time when we were doing that. It was always, <laughs> you're going to take the red pill or the blue pill? What's your team going to do? <laughs> <I> <laughs> you always have re- like Smarties in front of you, like it's the metaphor. <laughs> 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 have them both. They're quite, both quite tasty. Thank you. A, yeah. i just <laughs> remember <I'm> still alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I know Kung Fu. That's my favourite quote. Anyway, so uh, Jermaine the Jar. And then there's the runaway trolley problem, which was brought to the general public or discourse through Philippa Foote, who's one of the female philosophers that we might have talked about or certainly have thought about. And that was the idea where you had a runaway trolley going down a track, and on one track that it was going down, there were five people tied to the track, Probably screaming or something, and uh, it, with their impending doom. And then there was another track by a junction which you were stood by that uh, would take that trolley off in a different direction, a different set of tracks. But there was one person stood on that track. So the question was: Would you pull the lever and save the five people, but allow the one person on the other track to be killed? So it's quite a quite a deep. So it's a Cohen. It's a question for you or statement for you to ponder a, a scenario. So there you go. Would you kill five no, people or one?
1: Yeah, and no right <laughs> answer because there's uh, wow, there's, yeah. yeah, no way to look at it. And then and you like, start you know, going,
0: well, if the person on that track was, I don't know, Kevin from Accounts, maybe you would, because you don't like Kevin. <laughs>
1: Or if those other, if those other five people, you know, they've done something to you at school, and you think, yeah, well, you deserve it, don't you? Or, well, you know,
0: that's it. Or yeah. weeks
1: to me for all those years, or yeah, or something yeah. like that. So, or you know, the mod- when you spoke to me about this originally, I thought the modern day version when you said trolley was like in the supermarket. So you might like you've got three or four cases of beer, so it's quite heavy, and you can't sort of push it around properly. And then one of the wheels was a bit like dodgy, sort of lets go. And then you have to think, oh no, there's a child there, or my beer will hurt. My beer will hurt. (laughs) My beer will get. (laughs) Are you hurt, Beer?
0: Do I rush to the tills to get the beer through the till before the shop shuts, but I could hit that child? Or do I stop and let the child walk past, but potentially not be able to purchase my beer? Again, a fantastic dilemma there, Simon.
1: Or in the car park, and you think this is really fun to push and go wee and jump on it. But you all, you know, with your legs up at the background sort of, you know, it's a bit flying. But then you also think, oh, there's a Mitsubishi car over there. It's not that special. So if I hit it, do I really need to worry about it? And it's a bit beat up anyway. So would they even notice? So yeah, <laughs> a modern day car <laughs> Hey, John, it's our 10th. Tenth- Anniversary episode. So, as I always talk with my uh, clients, celebrate the little wins as much as the big ones. So, this is our little celebration. And I thought a great way to celebrate that is revisit some of the great curious moments from our most curious, creative, and imaginative guests. And why don't we kick that off with Dr. Peter Lovett?
0: Yes, Peter. Fantastic guest. He really... Kick things off in style, didn't he? Had some wonderful, um, yeah, some great quotes and also some revolutionary ideas, didn't he? Like the boogie box. I remember that. I think most people do.
1: Yeah, it's funny. So many people who've listened, that's the thing which is probably they remembered the most. And people have said, and yeah, there's been a bit of lockdown as well. Like we all know that. So they've got their own boogie box at home. (laughs) or they're they're going to come back to work and we're going to have a boogie box. So I think that's a really nice little idea, and I think you can get in there free of anyone looking at you. Just, you know, I guess close the doors, I guess, and boogie away for a couple of
0: minutes. Yeah, yeah, pull the curtains, close the doors. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of space in offices when people go back because it won't be 100% full of desks. They might be able to (laughs) carve out 30% of floor space and start setting up some different areas like boogie areas and boogie box areas definitely well they has Re-imagine. to be a
1: space for a boogie box yeah
0: <laughs> so uh, what were some of the ideas that peter shared that particularly stood out for you sign
1: well i think that idea of what's the movement culture in your organization like i never heard anyone speak about that like we often you know obviously culture is spoken of you know non-stop and for good reason And also, we often talk around that sort of mental health as well. But just around that, it's not even that physical health about keeping fit per se, like we normally think, you know, exercise. But how do we move people around the organisations, move for interaction, move for to keep thought alive, move for those different cognitive processes? And often think around when Steve Jobs, either when he redesigned the Apple offices or the Pixar offices, how he designed it so everyone had to move and bump into each other. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to go get the photocopying done, you had to move to a different space. But then all the different angles with what people would approach that you would naturally bump into each other and have those off the cuff mm-hmm. conversations, which so many people say they miss the most from being you know out of the office, and also key for those moments of spontaneity as well. So that that's really yeah. Imagine having a, a someone who looks after the movement culture in your organization.
0: Mm. Yeah, he was. He just made that really relevant to that whole thing about the body and mind connection, which everybody knows. I mean, we know the body affects the way the mind works, the mind can impact on the way the body reacts or whatever, and that connection between them. So yeah, workplace environments, which focus on the body as well as the mind, as you say, the movement culture, I thought was really interesting. The other part that stood out for me was about the different types of movement that would then encourage or facilitate convergent thinking or divergent thinking. So depending on whether you were trying to solve structured, well-formed problems or whether you were trying to be creative and imaginative, you would have different movement. And and I was struck as well by the fact that a more recent guest, Eleanor Tweddle, was talking about how she uses walking and movement to go out and go and think and work through things or imagine and be creative. So that whole thing about movement, yeah, I think um, needs to be sort of thought about. And there's an opportunity to do it, as I say, with everybody going back to the offices being repurposed in some way. Definitely seems a moment to reimagine.
1: We're not really sure what that new hybrid space, they're always talking around this hybrid way of working. What a great time to rethink, well, do we need to be as sedentary as we have been? What's that environment we create when people come in? How do we make people feel really great about being at work? And if there's a really nice movement culture as well, That could be part of that reimagining. Now, speaking of movement, I've got one of those little exercise trampolines in my office at the moment (laughs) that my wife inherited (laughs) from someone. Like, you said one of those, I guess, you know, they're only three feet across or something. But I've been doing, based on Peter's boogie box, jumping on that for a few minutes, maybe four or five times a day, and just going crazy. So, just making (laughs) sure it's uh, non-structured movement. It's really good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah.
0: I I'll, I'll have to get mine out. I've got someone, I think I've got one in the garage.
1: <laughs> going to yeah, go well that, and get it. <laughs> that's where mine was, but I thought, no, I've got space. So I've got it in there and because I like to break every 25, 30 minutes, to, you know, follow that Pomodoro technique and do sort of five minutes of nothing to do with work. Oh. And so I jump on my tramp and have a bit of a, a soiree and it feels liberating just to be stupid on it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. You're not yeah. going for a walk or a run, you're just like jumping and, yeah, it's pretty cool
0: maybe should have those in offices as well boogie boxes trampolines i mean i know google and that did lots of things with bouncy balls and swiss balls and whatever but there's something in that that you could vary the movement and what you do in between sitting at the screen
1: yeah and you could also maybe have different movement rooms does that make sense like i think the as you explore well, peter as you know he'd have loads more on this we got him back on but how to have those maybe if you're going to need that convergent thinking you maybe do a certain type of movement you might go into that movement room for three or four minutes and then if you want to have that more divergent thinking then you maybe go into the trampoline room and jump around
0: and meetings don't need to be sat around a boardroom table you know they could say right we're going to have a meeting off we go and they walk out the office and they go walk around the local park or something or find some different landscape scenery and meet and walk and talk there's a lot to be uh to said and i know we've done it before where we've worked with some leadership teams and it seems to sort of really um resonate for people but to make that something that was a bit more common and not had people sort of look at you sideways to go what do you mean we're going to have a meeting outside (laughs) um i think would be great
1: Look, one of the other things I really liked about Peter and when I heard him speak originally, which is why we got him on the show, when he spoke around his experience with school and Mm. just the structure at school and the way education is done, he just didn't fit into that. But once he found his right space, his now a doctor of, of dance of human movement and he's got a phd so i think it's really important and also notice with you know some of my own kids the way they learn and especially with being homeschooling for so long you, you see oh man you're not made to sit at a desk <laughs> and that type yeah. of stuff and i think just make sure as organizations and for you and me all of us think around what's the environment we're creating for people to do their best Because we all function and think differently. So how do we find, how do we create those spaces and places and structures so we can find those Peter Lovett's in our organisation and help them get their PhD?
0: Yeah, he said something about we need to get creative about our own learning. And I think you're right. Most organisations then just have to think about, well, how do we create an environment how do we have a culture that allows people to get creative and think about the way they want to learn or the way they want to deliver most value to the organisation? So it is allowing people that autonomy to yeah, get creative about learning, about the work, about how they go about stuff. There was a, one great quote, I must say, of Peter's that really always made me smile, which was around his dance first, think later, which is kind of similar to some of the themes that we'll touch on with some of the other guests later on but he said because people think that if you move around too much all the clever stuff will fall out (laughs) now that might be true if you're on a trampoline but
1: (laughs) (laughs) no the clever stuff comes in yeah so it's, it's i love that just yeah rethink rethink around the way we do things and i always say to people i ran a visual storytelling class yesterday And it was around, you know, when we use visual communication or learning to draw. And my key theme during the day, draw first and the thinking will come. Does that make sense? So don't Mm -hmm. look at your page and think, oh, I I need to think what I'm going to draw. Just start sketching. And everyone said, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's true.
0: So Tamara Campbell was again really interesting i mean she took us in a lot of different directions i mean the primary one was that with her performance how laughter or comedy is a force for good you know she kind of built on that and said we just as we get older we tend to get less silly and we laugh less and we don't take risk and we don't play and she was very much of that we've got to fight to keep that in our lives and i thought that was a really interesting one that we should sort of keep that
1: Yeah, and also, she said what I love around this laughter connects us, like creates community and connection, and I guess sort of enables us to be those creative humans we were designed to be. When I say creative humans, like we've all got more in us than we probably like to admit. And I think just that ability to connect with others and be open and be free. And look, we all want to get to the end of the day and think, I've had a really good day and I feel really good. I think laughter and that ability to create those human connections and those moments, she really understands what it's about. And I think when she spoke around getting people on stage as well, and she chooses Mm. those people in the audience and they do something they possibly wouldn't have. And their family's looking at them so proud and dad's up there and he's, throwing Tamara in the air or <laughs> whatever it is uh she's yeah. kick, kicky bit of a bish bit of a bitch um Fant- yeah, a that,
0: fantastic that, alter ego
1: yeah that <laughs> those lovely moments i think laughter creates that and i dare anyone to feel bad after they've laughed i guess you know <laughs> she
0: yeah she, uh, she framed it a lot around being human as well there was a lot of her mm. chat was about humanness and I think she was saying the idea that humanness was that idea of not being perfect in fact I think she said humanness is everything but perfect it is knowing that you're not perfect knowing that you never will be perfect and that's okay uh, that makes you vulnerable and then I think you caught that idea that vulnerability is what actually builds trust when you do put yourself out there that's when you start to connect and build trust with people.
1: And I think what a that sort of turns it um turns that for me it turned that notion on its head, like you always think I trust you so I'll be vulnerable so I can tell you some stuff or whatever that may be. But if you just yeah, you know, this is me and this is what I've been through and this is how I'm feeling or whatever that may be, just the ability to share, or yeah, you know, I've really screwed this up, or I tr- I think, especially for leaders, I've tried this, it didn't work, I don't know all the answers today wasn't the day I wish it had have been or whatever that may be, just don't try and be the the ultimate perfectionist all the time. Even though we want to, if you're a surgeon, we don't want someone who's you know, not not a perfectionist, if that makes sense. But but just those. <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> they just finish it, you know, that's good enough.
1: That'll be fine. So- I made a mistake today. <laughs> Sew him up. Yeah. Don't worry about your ear being attached to your elbow. Ah, oh, It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough.
1: <laughs> that'll be fine but just that ability like we're we all making mistakes is being human does that make sense so and just being okay that we don't get everything right the first time and that's really what makes us interesting
0: and then I think she built on that with there was a great story she told at the start where she was a wild card she got into some theater school del arte or something they said look you know you don't fit the normal profile but there's something about you And it was just that recognition of her value as she was, imperfect, but she had something about her that uh, was going to be great. And we translated that into that idea of within organizations, CEOs, managers, whatever, all of us could recognize there's something about all of us. And if we can sort of uh, find that or at least celebrate that, then suddenly people feel liberated. It feels a safe environment. They can be vulnerable. They don't have to be perfect. And they can just show themselves it's a it makes a massive difference
1: yeah, and I was uh, involved with a conference this week and they were interviewing, it was like a leadership conference for a big global firm, and they were speaking a lot around, speaking to a lot of young leaders, like emerging leaders, and some of those key themes which just came through was we want to be heard, we want to be noticed, we want to be part of the conversation, we want our ideas to matter. So I think imagine just being for a young leader coming in your organisation, they all know everyone's on the lookout for what's awesome about them if that makes sense. Mm. So that that's the first thing you go forward with. I want to look what's awesome about you. And then maybe the other stuff doesn't matter so much because we often look with what annoys us about people, maybe an organization that comes yeah. up first, but focus on, yeah, here's what's awesome about you. I think great thing as parents as well, we can get a bit annoyed with our kids and you focus on that little annoying thing, but really there's so much which is awesome about all of us.
0: Yeah, we do a lot around, uh, well, as you know, we do a lot around feedback within organisations. And one of the things that we're always insane saying is, is, is spot things that are going right. You know, spot the awesomeness. It doesn't happen enough. And if any organisation can get good at spotting the stuff that is awesome and going well, that's a great place to start. But it doesn't happen enough. That's 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 to be encouraged.
1: Yeah. And just I think also that you could probably apply that to life as well, probably in a bit philosophical here but look what's awesome in your day we often look at the end of the day and, oh, that didn't work or that didn't work but look at what's awesome in your day and even though my my flow wasn't correct today john i had a really great surf i was in the sunshine i got into work a little bit later so all those things were awesome
0: you're awesome introducing a new app for your phone LifePing. You know how you're told that having an attitude of gratitude is the secret to a happy life? Well, with Life Ping we make sure that you know you're alive and can be grateful you are. Every hour, Life Ping will ping on your phone, giving you the chance to reflect and think how lucky you are because you heard the ping and so you must be alive. I ping, therefore I am. Life ping. Thank your lucky stars. Disclaimer, Life LifePang does in no way guarantee that you will be grateful. If you do not hear it, please consult your GP, who will assess whether you have lost your hearing or dead.
1: Now, we had a great episode when we chatted with Ash Perrin of the Flying Seagull Project and just diving into his world of the way his charity runs and the joy they bring to people's lives. And what I really liked, one of his quotes or statements is, play is a universal feeling of liberation creativity and expression and a safety net for learning
0: yeah he tied a lot of uh, themes together there which i thought was really interesting and the idea of play being not output focused i think was one of the things he sort of started to talk about which is it's just about being experience focused and that's quite liberating the idea of play just allowing you to focus solely on what it is you're doing rather than have to produce something at the end of it and that in itself is again very liberating
1: yeah, or even the outcome of playing. There's so many outcomes, but you don't need to measure them or you don't need to an experiment. You don't need to expect something. Just the fact that people have been immersed it's sort of like the flow, I guess. You've been immersed in play and you've mm. you've just had a good time and your mind's gone all over the place, which is a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, spark the imagination, is not it? Because you can just go wherever you want to go when it's just play without any particular outcome in mind. It allows you to be creative and imaginative. So again, it'd be one of those things you say, how might we create that kind of environment in certain instances, in certain situations within organisations? If we want to sort of create a culture of creativity and innovation, how might we sort of draw on that idea and make it become a reality in the day to day?
1: And I think a nice way to think about it, I think, you know, play at work can be one of those double edged swords because we've all got an idea of like, hey, we're going to do some team building. Hey, fun. And we play <laughs> hide also, and seek. Yeah, really? Some people shriek inside and some people are delighted, but wherever you are on that, Even if it's not that sort of play per se of like a game, how do you bring this mindset of play, this mindset of playfulness, like be open to possibilities, be open to those how might we questions, be open to challenging ideas and bring a little bit more, uh, let's say a little bit more joy maybe to it as well, some of those things.
0: Yeah, just, again, it's that thing about being slightly vulnerable, isn't it? Adults kind of sort of recoil slightly from the idea, I'm going to play a game. I'm going to potentially look stupid. I'm going to sort of, you know, not look competent, professional that I am. Good gosh, no, I can't do it. Everybody sort of backs away. But yeah, it's playful in terms of mindset. Well, we could play hide and seek, though. This
1: quite oh, yeah. Thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not against that by any means. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily think, okay, we're going to play a game. We can bring in that mindset of playful, that playful open mindset to some of those things that we do. And I think it's nice to, he's, you actually need to rethink this idea of growing up. Like he spoke around, it's a crime to, uh, it was an act of violence to ask anyone below 99 to grow up. And mm. You know, even though we do have more responsibilities we grow up and we need to be part of those and they're part of our lives and that's all cool, but just don't lose that just don't lose that joyful, playful part of us. And who the hell says we have to be a certain way? You know what I mean? Who's there's so many grumpy bastards, isn't there? So (laughs) you don't have to be like that.
0: (laughs) He uh He touched on a theme again that we have had, and I think we'll sort of wrap up later on, which is about acceptance again, isn't it? Just um, people being accepted as imperfect for who they are, being recognised, feeling that they're valid, that how they are is validated. It's just so important because that's what allows them then to be playful if they feel safe and recognised and valued and validated. That's when great stuff happens. Again, it is uh, it is a common theme here about if we're talking about workplaces, how organizations can allow that to happen, that people to feel accepted. One of the ideas that Ash also shared, which goes to the heart of the Flying Seagull project, actually, was this whole idea of self-belief. So he was saying, creativity accompanied by self-belief can transform the world. I think that was one of the quotes from his The Real Play Revolution book. And then it was further anchored in the quote from Jonathan Livingston which is then the seagull which is the inspiration for the project and that was that you're limited only by the idea you have of yourself which I thought was lovely again it seems to be a recurrent theme this idea of feeling the fear and doing it anyway sort of just calming the inner voice having that self-belief that you have something of value to offer quieting the dissenting voices that might be outside of you you know other people and just sort of applying yourself and and not limiting yourself by sort of feeling fearful or feeling small.
1: Yeah. And didn't Tamara talk around that? She said the biggest battle is between the ears or something? Or was that correct? Yeah, it almost is. <laughs> I don't I mean, think I've got it right. What was it?
0: I did write it down, actually. The quality of your life is won or lost in your own brain. Yeah. And she absolutely. framed that. She didn't frame it as inner voice. She just said trash talk yeah well that we just have trash talking yeah yeah
1: yeah or in our world episode one we spoke around your creative ogre which is that 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 trash talking monster which says uh you're not creative what your work is yeah blah 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 shit
0: we need a whole new bunch of weapons (laughs) to to, to to tackle this ogre Yeah. yeah well
1: I think, yeah, Ash talking about self-belief, that is a weapon, isn't it? That self-belief to back yourself and once you do things, the more you do it, your confidence grows and, yeah, your self-belief continues to grow with it. And look, what I liked about Ash, some of his idea, and it goes to this piece around self-belief, was that the best ideas and the most stupid ideas come out of the same world.
0: Yes, <laughs> I remember that. That was tied into the take pressure off day or take the pressure off day, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. You could just say whatever you wanted and there was no pressure to come up with anything that needed to be all the, thought all the way through. You could just throw it out there and see what started to emerge. Yeah.
1: Also, that that's, um, I speak about uh, Seth Godin. I listen to him a lot. He pops up on podcasts and he says, you need enough bad ideas for some of them to eventually be good. That self-belief that if you keep, pushing ideas out, some of them will be good, yeah, rather than mm. thinking, oh, I don't want to say anything because I might not be good, I might be judged. And also I really like some of his advice around the board of brilliance and the bucket of goodbyes.
0: Mm, that's where we um, the bucket of goodbyes is all the stuff that people <laughs> don't want to see again of you. Or Was that the idea that you could say, what do I like about Simon and what do I want to see less of? Well,
1: it, huh? <laughs> a little bit like that. It was all around what what gives you the the shits with someone, and, oh, and or whatever that means. Well, actually, what it gives you whatever it gives you the shits that week? Just write on a bit of paper, say it, but then you burn it, and it's gone. Does that make sense? It doesn't linger around because you know sometimes something can happen or linger around for months, and you say, I've oh, still got the shits with it." So burn it. You know, put put it in a bucket or whatever. Maybe the shredder. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, or something bigger, maybe approximating a sort of massive bonfire for me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Your your bucket of goodbyes would burn for hours, John. (laughs) But just, I, I really like just some unique, fun ways just to, I guess, function as a team, function as a group, and just be the best version of yourself as well. Okay, John, it's time for a thought experiment in the spirit of all great chin strokers. And look, this builds on a game I play with my daughter a lot. Like we lie down, have a chat every night when she's in bed and we start to play this game, like, would you rather? So it's these sort of ponderous questions. And again, often there's no right or wrong answer. You have to, maybe it's the, the worst the best of two bad things or whatever that may be. It's a little bit like the, the trolley experiment. But I thought I'd put these would-you-rathers into like a corporate sort of environment. So you just have to, you know, think how you would react. Okay, so you're pitching for a £100,000 deal, okay? So it'll make a let's say it'll make a big difference to your organisation. Would you rather send it in handwritten on a blank piece of A4 Okay, so you can't send it as a PDF, just all handwritten notes. Uh That's your uh, proposal. Or would you rather go in and present your proper proposal, but you have to be an entirely fluorescent outfit, head to toe. So everything on you is bright (laughs) fluoro, but you can't mention either of those. Okay, there's no (laughs) excuses. You just send it in handwritten on blank A4, your proposal, or you go in in completely head to foot, bright fluoro, and present it as without blinking an eye.
0: Uh, hmm. I'm tempted to go with the fluorescent outfit simply okay. because I've been out for 18 months. So it'd be quite <laughs> nice to go out, <laughs> stand in front of people. They'll just think, geez, he hasn't been out for a while. Maybe he's forgotten how to dress. <laughs>
1: Okay. All right. So you'd rather wear the fluoro outfit. All right. Outfit.
0: I'm gonna go and search online for one now. I've got to go <laughs> to, I've got to go into the big city again next week. Maybe I should yeah,
1: well, get my wardrobe sorted out. Inspired by <laughs> Ash saying all ties should be outlawed and less unless they're fluorescent. Okay. Now imagine you're in a meeting with a really high powered client, which is, I know is what you do. Would you rather just casually crack a beer in that meeting in a can? And start drinking it, or say fancy a cucumber five times throughout the meeting. <laughs> Just casually. What would you rather? For positive output.
0: <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not a Cohen. This is not some Zen like Buddhist statement or question to ponder with while so, stroking
1: my chin. So would you rather? <laughs> it's the extension of All my right. daughter and my our game.
0: But would I rather say, fancy a cucumber five times? Throughout if I could, the meeting
1: or just meeting, casually crack, just open crack a, a beer bit. and start drinking it. Not- <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to find some way to slip in, do you fancy a cucumber <laughs> five times <laughs> into it? I don't know whether I could say it as maybe I turned off to the side or something. Or find some way that that becomes some sort of example of what i'm trying to sell or promote so i could say for instance maybe the man coming into your office might say do you fancy a cucumber and you think that's strange so i might try and yeah wrap it up into a story so i think yeah cracking open a beer that would be <laughs> <laughs> that's i mean I feel, I feel bad enough cracking open a coca-cola <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> All right. No, so it's a cucumber, cucumber. Cucumber. Five times in your meeting. Okay. All right. Five times. Okay. Now you're facilitating a large event. Let's say there's 100 people. You're facilitating this sort of offsite. Would you rather do a two minute, and you're not allowed to say anything about these as well, just have to act as if they're natural, do a two minute interpretive dance to Enya's sail away at the front of the room at random, <laughs> or push yourself to the start of the lunch line pull out your shirt, put all the lunch into it, and then sit there and eat it out of your shirt with everyone. What would you <laughs> rather?
0: <laughs> is this a psychometric test?
1: <laughs> well, I'm not going to say yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, this, is the, this is probably why my my job calculator said I'm suitable for nothing.
1: all right so you're going to do the Um, two minute interpretive dance to enya or eat your lunch out of his shirt after pushing your way to the front of the line
0: yeah i have quite a thing about manners so i think i'm going to have to do an interpretive dance (laughs) (laughs) in fact i may have already done that
1: (laughs) two minutes is a long time but there's no this is a long time
0: but yeah but no I, i i would do the dance i think
1: Okay, now you've got a very, very important meeting. Let's say you're meeting with an organisation, as they all should, they value time highly. Every minute counts.
0: Are you sure I've got any meetings left to go to? I mean, having done an interpretive <laughs> dance, say, do you fancy a cucumber? <laughs> I mean, I just think most of my meetings will have been cancelled by now. Well, this, is before, this one, is before that. Yeah, this is before all right, okay. That. okay. So, Great. All right. But
1: there's, there's a massive amount riding on this meeting. Now, which <laughs> excuse would you rather have for being late? Sorry, I was meditating and I got so high that I left my body and came down the next village and had to walk home. <laughs> or I am working on a top-secret project for the government and I was kidnapped by the French mafia and made to eat croissants. Which one would you rather as your excuse? And they're all looking at well, you as you run in.
0: Well, the strange thing is, Simon, that the second one has actually happened to me. <laughs> so uh, i think i'll go with the first one that i'm a zen like meditative uh sort of practitioner okay and i'm so cool. good at it that obviously that sage-like wisdom will be something they could tap into so i think they'd be impressed by that more so than being kidnapped by the mafia again
1: okay and that is would you rather <laughs> thank you
0: Eleanor's episode was really interesting. She kicked off with curiosity, really, being at the heart of her journey of reinvention and reimagining her future beyond many, many years in corporate life. And I really liked curiosity in terms of sitting with a series of questions and just uh, taking time to ponder those and the the fact there's always a better question. So she, for instance, suggested that you might Move from what do I want to do, which would be the classic thing if you're sort of just being made redundant. What am I going to do? What do I want to do? To she framed it as how do I want to be? And it was a really interesting leap that a different question is obviously going to sort of drive a very different process of reflection and thought. So there's always a better question. So being curious is a great start, but then be thoughtful about what questions you do ask.
1: Yeah, you've always spoken around a good question does the heavy lifting. And for me, what a great question. That was probably the biggest, I guess, one of those questions, you know, when you can ask someone, you're like, oh, you sort of have that ping moment and your mind goes, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of it. I would think that's a great way to think around whatever your next project is, whatever your next two, three years look like or whatever it is and you think around career or personal. And, you know, I'm sort of rethinking a new company at the moment, which I'm thinking up, and I thought that's a great way to just think what do I want to be rather than what I want to do? And so then everything can start to cascade down from that and a great way to go through life. Cause I think if you in life, you can be what you want to be. Isn't that a song? Do what you want to do, be what you want to be. Oh yeah. Is if, it?
0: <laughs> if it isn't, it should be.
1: Trademark. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like that question. I think she's great at, being curious and she also spoke around saying uh, you know being curious about yourself but then holding that space for curiosity and re- and imagination i think no matter mm-hmm. what it is and and especially she spoke around a job loss and we've all had that you know something hasn't gone well with the job or we've left or we've been shifted on or you know something like that i guess we haven't all had it, but a lot of what people would have and just hold that space and think okay don't just whatever that is just see what percolates is that the right word? Yeah, yes. it
0: percolates. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was, it was kind of, sort of as you say, holding the space, not over catastrophizing. She realised that that her Lego <laughs> had come apart, and it was oh my god, the Lego, it's all fallen to bits. But then realised that it could be rebuilt.
1: Yeah that was
0: it. She saw that with her child and how upset they got when the Lego fell apart. And then she sat calmly with her daughter or whatever and, and just started to rebuild. I said, it's okay, just rebuild. So there was some analogy there with Lego <laughs> as an, a great analogy for life that, yep, bits fall off and things go wrong and it cracks apart and things. But there is a process whereby you can rebuild it with some perspective and time to percolate.
1: Yeah, and I like how part of her, I guess, story was just asking yourself do I really need to be sweating this moment as in you know don't sweat the small stuff and you know like I guess so often we can and this isn't uh, I guess it's almost like sometimes the opposite we might say it's good to have emotion it's good to feel things and but then I guess the opposite of that because you know life's never in a straight line is it just do I really need to be as upset about this as i am or do i really need to be sweating this moment and yeah you know it's just a lego and i think it's a really nice thing to always ask ourselves Is this really a a 10 out of 10 shitty moment or is it really just a two and i'm making Mm -hmm. up the uh, eight of those eight of those points as well
0: and then she went into a really important theme as well where she framed it around making a mark and i know you had a, a lot of thought around that a discussion around that uh, there was just a okay, be curious, sit with it, but then just get on with it. <laughs> it was a get going. I remember she said her parents kind of said, Look, what do, what do you keep? Why are you still talking about this? Just do it, just get on with it. <laughs> um, she made a mark, made a
1: start. I can't remember who the author was. Was reading a book around, uh, sort of, it was around sort of life choices and how to make decisions and different things. A well known book. I can't put a, a link in the show notes because <laughs> I can't remember. But he said, Look, if you're unsure of what direction to take in life, he said, just literally for one week, make that as if everything you've, everything in your life that week, you've made that decision that way. Does that make sense? Whether it'll be to move or to, I don't know, get engaged okay. or change your career and just do it for the week and then pretend that's all you're going to do. And then at the end of the week, go, Well, how did that feel? If you didn't like it, you, yeah. you know it's a little experiment. But just put the. I was going to say it's forward, like yeah. a thought,
0: like a thought experiment, isn't it? Yeah, kind yeah. Of, sort of, you, you, take your brain out and, and take it to a different place.
1: Yeah. So just so just try it. stuff. Don't and if it feels good, great. Or if it doesn't work out, but you ha- you haven't gone too far, you'll soon know whether it's the right thing to be doing. But don't sit there and I guess ponder for years and years when you could action could get you there a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the thought experiments lead to physical experiments as well, don't they? There is there is a moment where what you might manifest in your mind sometimes as well, you experiment with a potential idea or whatever, but then you may bring some of this stuff to life. So for example, she started the beach towel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Selling business.
1: I often speak to with my clients around, look, ideas don't belong in a PowerPoint. Bring them out, make something physical something you can interact with and is kinesthetic and you can look at and share and all of a sudden you've taken some action
0: Simon I think we should wrap up now with some themes maybe that we've seen thread through all of those great episodes with all of our guests Peter and Tamara and Ash and Eleanor I was going to start with the idea that creativity takes practice it It's something you do. It's something that you think about and turn your attention to. It's not just that you are creative or not creative. It's just the thing that you do.
1: Yeah, it's creative people do creative stuff if that makes sense like people are fit because they put in the effort to be to exercise it doesn't mean that you can't get fit but creative people do creative stuff and they they challenge themselves and they reimagine and they take that time like i see peter posting stuff of him dancing almost every day on linkedin and the socials and I know Tamara's constantly uh, reinventing and practicing her craft. Ash is always thinking around different projects and what the bus will look like. And so they put in the essay with Eleanor, always reimagining. So there's no exception in any part of her life for hard work. But that hard work, when you embrace it, is enjoyable as well.
0: And I think also just to recognize as well sometimes it could be really small things that we are creative about it could be just the way we do something differently in a very small part of our life or our work it doesn't have to be something massive it's not throwing paint onto a massive canvas every time or doing some massive sculpture or whatever we can be creative in small ways and big ways but it's uh, it's a mindset and just needs you to pay attention to it and be curious
1: and I think they bring a sense of, like Ash spoke about, they bring a sense of play. They bring that sense of creativity, curiosity, imagination to everything that they do. So that's what pushes them forward as well. They come with that mindset.
0: Which probably leads into the second one, I, I think, which is comfort zones. That kept coming through as well Is of course, that whole thing of nudging yourself forward and trying something, asking a question, being creative in a small way or a big way needs you to step out of whatever comfort zone you have. And I think everybody talked about that where you are in discomfort, that's where growth and learning happens. And I know this has been repeated time and again, but it does seem to come through.
1: And I heard it phrased this week saying uh, your comfort zone is all the great stuff you've been doing thus far. I always think of it as like you're sitting on your bum watching TV. Uh, You know, that's your comfort zone, you know. But really they framed it as, no, your comfort zone's everything you've been doing up to now which has made you be so successful and they spoke around your courage zone so move into that courage zone where you push yourself to be even better so i I really like that rethinking about it that sort of sense of comfort so take a little bit of courage because growth and joy and an interesting life an interesting job is in that courage zone and look what i liked she spoke about which kept coming up all the time or well, not she everyone this notion of self-belief john how mm. we are only limited by our own sense of self and that seems a universal human trait isn't it
0: yeah the uh what was that great quote which is you know the quality of our life is won or lost in our brain uh, yeah from tomorrow
1: and look whether that's Creatively, whether you know, every motivational guru, and I'm saying this in a positive way, they'll speak around this. You know, it's all it's that battle between the ears as well, isn't it? So, but I think when we talk around being creative, it's a really special battle between the ears, if that makes sense, because where the stories we've been telling ourselves for so long are awful so often, which we've spoken about (laughs) in other episodes. So we can, we can, I can do that, I can climb the mountain, I can walk on hot coals. But for no way am I going to put myself out there. I might look a little unprofessional and not Mm. the highly paid person I am. But when we try something the first time, how can you look professional? I think the first time you play golf, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) You're spraying it everywhere. You you play golf? (laughs) Not for a long time. (laughs) Nothing against golf. I just think golf, surfing, (laughs) I'll take the surf. But um, when you play golf, you sort of fly it everywhere. This big hang up around doing something creative, whatever we label that, that, how that might make us look.
0: And there was an offshoot because that whole thing of feeling or facing the fear, doing it anyway and beating the yoga makes us vulnerable. Of course, what was really interesting, again, coming back to tomorrow's thing is, but that vulnerability is really key because that actually is what allows us to connect and build trust with people. So actually there's a, a lovely benefit of actually doing things that show you up to be not perfect because you're trying stuff because you're being curious and creative. It's okay because that's what allows you to connect and build trust with people.
1: Yeah. And no, let's be really clear, no billion dollar company was ever born, fully formed. Does that make sense? Like it did not. <laughs> the amount of yeah. iterations they go through to get where they are and the backstories in these organisations. And, you know, we just had an Australian company, Canvas, has been valued at $50 billion, sort of an online visual communication graphic design company, but got an interesting story. They had an idea that didn't turn into this behemoth overnight. They, you know, there were so many muck-ups on the way and put your idea out there and be vulnerable about that. You don't know all the answers. I really like it.
0: Yeah, uh, we, we have said not too much, actually, but the idea of one does need to have a degree of humility sometimes as well, as well as being vulnerable that uh, you don't have all the answers or maybe there's a better way or maybe I haven't got it right thus far. And so you just need to be a little bit humble as well as being curious.
1: Yeah, and I think that leads into, which is probably uh, one really good for anyone who's a leader, a team leader or part of a team, part of an organisation, no matter how big that team is, is around, they all spoke around creating the environments which allow people, like you said, to be vulnerable but be their true selves and do their best work. And it ties into this mm-hmm. idea, if we hear a lot, that psychological safety, or I've spoken about creative confidence, how do we allow people to be the best of themselves in the environments we create for them, so we we can they can bring their their most awesome self to work, and we can they, they're happy because they can see that awesome side of them.
0: Which goes to probably a final point, which again I think came through from Peter and his experiences, Ash's experiences at school. Tamara's she went to try to get into Delarte College or Theatre uh, School, which was. Somebody recognized them, someone validated them. And so then they were able to come out and show themselves. You know, there's something about you. And as we were saying earlier, just if we've got that environment where people are spotting what's awesome about each other, what's great about each other, that's going to create that environment whereby people do their best work. They bring their true human selves to work, which is what you want. That's going to be the game changer.
1: And look, I think speaking of game changers, I feel like there's, uh, or not, I feel like there there is a tidal wave of change coming, a tidal wave of creativity. We know that organisations need to be different. We know that we need to create environments where people can thrive. And the people who are we now going to be employing, they don't want to be in stuffy, boring organisations. They want to be in places where they can be the best of themselves. And if we allow our creativity to shine, john our imagination our curiosity that's when we can be the best version of ourselves and this is going to happen whether you want to be part of or not so i suggest let's get busy let's get creative let's be part of it
0: (laughs) i was going to say if there's a wave coming maybe we should all get a surfboard simon have you got any spare
1: yeah, I do. And what this is a metaphor I hear all the time, the entrepreneurial <laughs> word, ride the wave, but create your own wave and ride multiple waves. Like, you know, there, there's exciting times ahead if we embrace the creative, curious cats that we are, John.
0: So without uh, getting too serious about it, though, I think there's been some fantastic lessons. I think all I would say, so I'm sure we've, we've chatted about this, is just to encourage people maybe off the back of this to just say, okay, some really big themes come through to ask themselves the questions questions is what this show is all about but how might i apply some of these themes how might we apply some of these themes when you find yourselves working in teams or in some sort of group and how might our organization apply these themes and just those questions alone with those themes in mind i think will probably throw up some interesting changes that people can make in those different areas of their life and work
1: Okay, John, that brings us to the end of our anniversary episode, episode 10. Pretty exciting, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been a nice little journey thus far and love meeting the people we've met and also what we've been able to learn as well and share.
0: It's been great. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed sort of picking up on the themes, some serious stuff, some, hopefully some lighthearted fun along the way that uh, (laughs) has meant it's not been too dense. Lots more to come, I hope.
1: So, look, John, what, what do we want people to do? What's a good action from here?
0: Keep listening. Subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends. Join in. Send us questions. Send us, uh, as we have done, and thanks to those that have, just ideas that you want us to explore, topics you want to explore. Get in touch with uh, occupationalphilosophers at gmail.com or check out the website, occupationalphilosophers.com. There's guides and things on there that you can get as well. So that uh, hopefully we get you thinking a bit more as well.
1: All right, you can connect with us on Twitter at OCCC Philosophers, so c Philosophers. On Facebook, we're just Occupational Philosophers. And Instagram at OCCC Philosophers. And we shall see you there.
0: In the meantime, stay curious, make stuff, and play more.
1: Now, John, I was going to ask you one final little one I had here. So, now imagine you're at a venture capital conference. You've got a really big deal you're trying to nail, and you're going to be networking with a whole bunch of you know high-powered people. Would you rather go to this conference where you also be presenting as well, dressed as a full pirate with a patch, or go in your gym gear after a two-hour workout so you're sweaty?
0: I'm going to go sweaty they want to know that the person they're investing in works hard